chapter 5 is where we left off, of course. We went to verse 5 last time. Um, and that's where we'll pick up there tonight, Romans chapter 5. And where we stopped was, uh, it said in verse 5, And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. It, uh, the, of course, hope maketh not ashamed. When we go through patience and experience and experience hope, uh, the, the experience that we go through, the trials that we go through, and the experience that we go through, uh, when we get to that place of hope because of our experience, you know, so many times I have to tell myself and I tell others, you know, if when, you, when you're going through a really hard time, what you have to do is look back and has God brought you through other hard times? And, and what you, you know, and after a while, what you have to start doing, you have to start, okay, Lord, you got us through everything else. Why wouldn't we believe you'll get us through this too? And that's kind of what it is, is the more you go through those things, the, the more we should be growing in that hope where we're just, okay, when we face it, Lord, you brought us through it before, you'll get us through it this time. Uh, you find a way. How you do it, God, I don't always understand. I don't always see it. I don't always know it, but you always do it. And, and so... He brings us, it brings us to that, and, and, uh, and we see that in chapter 5, verse, uh, verse 5, and, it, and it's a wonderful thing. And, and it kind of right here, and it says, and, and the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. And uh, we were having a little bit of question and answer time with the young people here after the, uh, the soul one time, and, and, uh, and one of them asked, uh, you know, how do you know that what we believe is the right thing because different people grow up believing different things in different parts of the world. Well, you know, there's, there's the very short answer is found right here is that uh, the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given us. You know, see, uh, the, the one thing that we have that no other religion has is the Holy Ghost of God is in us. He's in us. And, and can I just challenge you, one of the things we would do is it's really kind of not even get to my, my text tonight or my, my teaching tonight, but, but especially as, when you come start into church or you, you start trying to serve the Lord or maybe a young uh, person, uh, you really start to, to listen for the voice of the Holy Spirit. Listen to hear the Holy Spirit speak. You know, so many people, it's, it's like this, say, when, and I've given this illustration before, but when I was in, in, in Memphis, a Hanmond uh, church, really, not baptized, nothing, but I gotten saved about a year and a half earlier in, in about, through a Gideon's Bible, but I had nobody to teach me, nobody to lead me, nobody to, to guide me, and so I had no assurance, I had no, uh, you know, just no understanding of a lot of things. But through one comment, one comment over a phone from a, a buddy of mine who used to be a roommate of mine, he had also gotten saved, and he just said, he said, you know, Robert, the, word of, you know, the Bible says that everything we do should be done to the glory of God. From that one statement, and, and I'll be honest, other than the, on the plan of salvation, I had not read any more Bible than that. I, did, I didn't know John 3.16, even at that moment in my life. I couldn't quote it to you. But when he said that to me, I can't even explain it because I didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit existed, but he spoke to me in my heart at that moment because something inside of me began to churn. Something inside of me began to just, just erupt inside. And, and this is a long story, and I won't really, it's not the issue, but, 
But that's when I gave up my music. That's when I took probably 50, 60, 70, I don't know how many albums and, and that many tapes. And, and, and 10 minutes later, after hearing that comment, I took those things and I took them out to a dumpster and I broke every one of them. And you say, who taught you to do that? The Holy Spirit. He spoke to my heart and something inside of me kept saying, this that you're listening to, this album cover with a skull on it, with wings through it, with demons around it, can't be glorifying God. Something inside me, and I'm talking about a state college student that not, doesn't even go to church. But somebody spoke. Now, for, the, for these 35-plus years I've been preaching, and you wouldn't believe how many uh, Christian young people who have been saved grew up you know, in Christian homes and, and saved for years that I've had to preach my guts out about music just to get them to recognize or even want to accept that something they're listening to might not be right. Now, God has worked at times, and sometimes He's broken loose, and they started to listen. I, I was at a camp in Washington. That when they got through, they filled up two 50-gallon drums of, of, of CDs and tapes and albums, and they burned them. Now, but more times than not, it's just been rejected. And here's my question always been. Don't they have the same Holy Spirit that I did? And they do. And a lot of people say, well, no, they don't. They're not saying, no, I don't believe that. I believe they're not listening. And they've never heard the voice the first time. He spoke, but somehow they didn't understand or they didn't hear, that. they didn't grasp. And so it was rejected. And what's happened is, is that that has always been rejected over their will, their desire has pushed that away because it says, give up something you want, don't do something you like, uh, quit going there, quit saying that, quit doing that. And, it, and something inside says, no way, I'm not doing that. And can I tell you? I, again, I gave to the young people the illustration. If if you, as a young person, if you know, if I if I try to tell you don't do something, don't do something, and they you just reject me and reject me and reject me, there's going to come to a time where I'm just going to quit saying. I'm just going to quit trying. Now, why'd y'all get me off on all this? And it's not even my stuff yet. But I really need to get to hearing the voice of God. To hearing that the Holy Spirit, that's the difference. The Holy Spirit comes in there, and He didn't come in here just to give you eternal life. He came in here so you can learn how to live life. Amen. To clean up. You've heard me say it before, but man, you know, people will say when, you know, I've heard them illustrate, you know, Holy Spirit comes in, you know, He comes in, He comes in to sweep up and clean up your life. No, He didn't. He come in my life with a hammer and chisel trying to get everything off of me. But He comes in, and can I tell you, He's still working on me. Maybe that ought to be a song or something. Right now. Romans chapter 5, verse 6, I guess we better move on from there, but Romans chapter 5, verse 6, it says, For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died 
for the ungodly, for scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, amen, I love this verse, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. That's probably as far as I'll get tonight. We begin tonight with the proof of God's love. And verse 6 is where we're going to be looking. The proof of God's love. The proof of God's unconditional love. Verse 6 says, For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the, look what it says, the ungodly. Christ died for the ungodly. That's, that's, that is the proof of God's unconditional love. He died for the ungodly. The word strength is, is, is speaking of spiritual strength. Uh, it says, for when we were yet without strength. It, it's speaking of a spiritual strength. Much like Ecclesiastes says that no man hath power over the spirit to retain the spirit. You know, we don't have the strength uh, in our spirit. And he said, you're, you're weak and spiritually you're weak. You're, you can't do it. And, God, and Christ came and he said, I'm going to die in your place. No man in the flesh has the power to live above sin. Can't do it. We were and are without strength, and therefore we are in fact are the ungodly and were in this spiritual sense, for it is talking about the one who is yet to trust Christ. And right here he's talking about uh, you're weak and you're ungodly, and, and, and God, Jesus Christ, came and died for you. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 17 18 says, For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Hey, hey, you know, there's the scripture saying here, verse Peter, it says, my goodness, it's something for the righteous to get saved. But wow, the ungodly? If it's if really scarcely the unrighteous what hope is there for the ungodly? Well, I'll tell you what hope it is, the love of God. The love of God. These who have never trusted Christ are no less the ones Christ died for. He came to save the ungodly. Those who are lost and understand they need him. You know, the Pharisee of the Bible makes himself righteous, and even up today, and he has no need of a Savior. But the ungodly who get saved come to the realization that there's no hope of himself. And, and, and that's where we all are. We, if we're saved here tonight, we came to a point where we realized there's no hope in me. Uh, that couple that I had in here uh, talking to, I'm be honest with you, I went through, I took a long time, went through everything step by step. They agreed to everything, got completely through. And I said, uh, after they prayed, I said, now, if you died according to the Bible, if you died right now, where would you go? To hell. That's always encouraging. Really is. It's always encouraging. And I said, no, no, wait a minute. Why? Oh, I, I, I just, I, I'm just wicked. And I said, yeah, well, so am I. So are we both going to go to hell? And they look at me like, well, I hope not. We came to talk to you. 
No, the fact is, and I'm not going to tell you what all I explained to him, but, but the truth is, it comes down to the fact, who are we going to believe? We're going to believe us or God? Well, I'll just tell you, uh, you know, it comes down to this. God says, let God be true and every man a liar. So if God says, if I trust him by faith and I accept him as my Savior by faith, believe that he died for me, shed his blood, was buried, rose from the grave, and I truly believe that and I truly 100% accept him, God says he's saved. So if I say I'm not, let God be true and every man a liar. God says the devil's the father of lies. So if the devil says that I'm not saved, but God says that I am, who's true? God's, God is. Now you say, can a person really get saved and not believe they're saved? Yeah, I believe so. Because they, look, everybody else in the world has lied to them. It's, it's hard for them to grasp that there is an absolute. It takes them a little bit of time. Now, this thought process brings us to the incomparable love of God. Verse 7, look at verse 7, it says, For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. Now look at what it says, for scarcely. Now, a righteous man is a just, a, a holy man, a man who tries to live righteously. But the Bible says that that man scarcely, hardly, with great difficulty, difficulty, rarely would somebody die for that man. And you think, you know, if you just kind of glance at the Scripture, you think, well, you know, that would be the man that more people would die for. But I believe the way it's written, what he's really saying is scarcely. It's just hardly, very difficultly, uh, rarely would somebody die for a righteous man. He said, yet peradventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. Now, I believe more, God's saying more die for the good man than the righteous man. And I'll try, hopefully I can explain. <clears throat> It'd be abnormal for someone to die for such a man uh, as this, a righteous man. It, 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 God's saying it's abnormal uh, for somebody to do that. So to find a man like this is abnormal. To find a man who would die for this man is abnormal. So really to find a really righteous, holy uh, man like this is abnormal. And to find somebody who would die for that man is abnormal. And so what you got double abnormal here, which you mean you got, it's really, it's highly unlikely that this is going to happen. Why? Because it would be extreme for anyone to die for another. It's just, that's just an extreme thing, just to die. Well, he's a good man. I want to die for him. Here's my thought process. If he's a good man, he'll be okay if he dies. He ain't going to be okay. Uh, now, but the Scripture goes further. He says, peradventure for a good man. Now, a good man is a pleasant, agreeable, a nice man in attitude and in appearance. Now, this is just a good guy. And it says, some would even dare to die. Now, when you really study this out, I believe this is what it's talking about. This is talking about the war hero. This is talking about a man who dies for, for other good men through just courage. These are my war buddies. This is the guy when he's walked for the last six months with these guys, and he's fought in the foxholes, and, he's done, and now somebody throws in a grenade, and he dives on it for good men. Some will do this. 
Congressional Medal of Honor people do this. Police officers do this. Firemen do this. There are few who would die in a righteous man's place. There are others through courage who will die for a good man. But what would love do? The love of a parent for a child would allow many parents to be willing to die for that child. I believe I would. There's, I, you know, at times with my children, I'd just rather kill them. But the, uh, but the love for a spouse may allow that spouse to be willing to die for the one they love. But listen to this. But the love of God. But God commendeth, or God showed, or God introduced his love toward us. In that, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You know, God's trying to make it real clear. He said, it's an extreme thing for you, somebody to die for a righteous man. He says, some might even die for a good man. But who's going to die for a wicked, ungodly, evil man? Jesus. That's amazing. It's just amazing. God commendeth his love. While, that word while is just amazing. While we were yet sinners. While we're still sinners. You know, that's, that's, that while is kind of defined still. You know, it, it's like wow, We are presently, right now, we are still sinners, yet he still died for us. The Father wanted us to know that what is it really meant for Christ to die for us and what kind of love took him to the cross. It was John 3.16 kind of love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He so loved the world. Verse 17, for God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And who is he trying to save? He's trying to save the ungodly. Matthew 9, 13, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15 says, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And he says, of whom I am chief. That's who he came to save. Uh, it's one thing for somebody to come after a, a righteous man and say, hey, you know, I would die for him. It's, it is, some might even say I'll die for a good man, but Jesus came to die for a world of the ungodly sinners. He came to die, and the Word of God makes it clear that this love and the love of God is like no other love. This love is a sacrificial love unto death. And, and again, folks, this is just, I'm trying to show you that it's, more, it's deeper than just reading through these verses quickly and saying, I read through the Bible. I went through it. There's so much in here about the love of God. There's so much in here about the sacrifice of God. There's so much in here that God wants us to really grasp and see what he really did for us sinners. We hung him on the cross, yet he, and he died for us. The, this love is a sacrificial love unto death. It's not a love for the lovely. It's not a love for the just or the love for the holy or the good or the good-looking. It is a love for the unlovely, the wicked, the vile, the sinner. You see, some might die for those they think deserve it, 
but Christ died for all of us who do not, did not, and do not deserve. And that brings us to the provision of God's love. You see in verse 9, the provision of God's love, it says much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through him. It's a wonderful thing that Christ would die for us while we were yet sinners and while we were undeserving, but his death, so necessary, must be accompanied by his blood being spilled out. And this is what is really, God's going to make some things real clear here. He's saying, okay, now I'm making it, I made it understand that, that Christ died for you. He said, but for this thing to be complete, there's more to it. The death, it, this sounds terrible, but the death is not enough. He says, much more than now being justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through him. You see, he died for us, but it's necessary that it be accompanied by his blood being spilled out. Like the song says, broken and spilled out. And it was in every sac- as it was in every sacrifice of the lamb or a bullock, the, the, the blood was spilled and sprinkled on the mercy seat. The blood of Christ was spilled out for us. And through his blood and by his blood, we are justified. Through the blood of Christ, our sins are taken away and placed upon Christ. And because we are now just as though we had never sinned, in the eyes of God, we are saved from the wrath of God through Jesus Christ and through his blood. For Jesus took the wrath of God upon himself. But the blood is necessary. You say, why does it have to be that way? I don't know. God made the rules. God planned it. God did it all. And uh, in the Old Testament, he pictured and pictured and pictured that, that this blood would be spilled and this blood would be caught, some portion of it, and this blood would be sprinkled on the mercy seat. And why does it have, I, I, I can't explain it exactly except this is God's way. You say, why is that important? Because people, again, try to, try to take away from the blood of Christ. But the blood of Christ is important. Amen. Yeah, they call it a bloody religion. Yes, has to be. Now look at verse 10. We're about done. Verse 10, for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. I want you to notice in verse 9 and verse 10, there's two words, and, and they don't seem that important, but I believe they're very important. They're two words, much more much more. So for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled will be saved by his life. You see this word much more, the blood of Christ did not only pay our debt, but gave us much more. The death of Christ and the shed blood of Jesus Christ, it didn't just uh, pay our account off. It was much more. You see, the truth is that much more is that it gave us the opportunity for a life worth living. You see, once we have been washed in the blood of the Lamb, we are joint heirs with Christ. We are sons of God. We have access to God. We can come boldly to the throne of God. John 3, 2, and and this is another verse I love. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. 
And it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. But, beloved, right now are we the sons of God. Now, that's a very important statement. God's saying much more. Yes, you've been, you, you have Christ's atonement. You have a justification. You have propitiation. You, you've been cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. You, your account's been rectified. He said it's all that. He said, but much more than that. Much more than that. And what is that? Now are you the sons of God. Now watch this. If I'm a son of God, I probably ought to live like one. I probably ought to act like one. And if I do that, listen, I also have access to my Father because I'm a son of God. Verse 10 must be understood in the context for verse 8. We see that Christ died for us. Verse 9 is made clear that justification has come through Christ's shed blood. Now in verse 10, uh, we see that reconciliation or our account has been paid by his death. This now, in verse 10, it almost, you know, the way it's reworded, we almost think, does this negate the importance of the blood uh, for, or the necessity of the blood? But no, the, that has already been established in verse 9. It's already been established, the importance and the necessity of the blood. What is the primary purpose in verse 10 then is this, I believe, is the resurrection. It's the resurrection. Listen to it again as we read it. Verse 10, for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Listen, he died, he shed his blood, but what's being made clear here is much more is going to take place because he's alive by his life. He's alive, folks. He's not dead. Amen? Can I even get an amen there, somebody? Ladies, start waving a handkerchief or something. Punch your husband and wake him up to say amen. I didn't really mean that. He was really asleep. Uh, the, I better look at the person I say that to before I do the, uh, Look, it's, this verse is telling us that the resurrection is so important to this whole thing because he said much more. He said, do you understand the life you can have because of his life? His life's example, his life's purpose, his life's direction, his life's teaching. But mostly what he's saying is he is alive. He's resurrected. If he doesn't arise, we have no hope. And now are we the sons of God. We must notice that it says much more. There is so much more than the death and the shed blood. The reconciliation is complete through his life, his resurrection. If he died, how can more be accomplished through his life? Simply because of the resurrection. He lives. He lives. Christ Jesus lives today. And we who have been justified and reconciled can never die. Where he lives, and this fulfills our reconciliation back to God. Because we live, because he lives, we have a much more life available to us. And that's what that couple, and, I, and I'll stop with this, but you know, the, the truth is, Jesus saved us from the penalty of sin eternally. Uh, it's eternally. He saved us from the power of sin in our lives presently. The truth is, we can 
through the Spirit of God and through Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, through being a child of God, we, can, we don't have to be subjected to the power of sin. He will one day save us from the very presence of sin. That's amazing. Now, it's just so important that we realize what's available to us. That couple that, that I had in the office, I told them, they're in a mess. I mean, my goodness, they're in a mess. And, and, and I, told them, I said, I hate to be this way, but you've lived your life with the world's philosophy. And if you continue to walk back out of this door and continue with that mindset and philosophy, you, you're going to destroy each other. And you got to, your whole mindset has to be reprogrammed to the principles and truths of the Word of God if you're going to make it. Now, thankfully, they took it pretty well. Now, you may never see them again. I don't know. But the truth is, folks, we also have to renew our minds daily. Make our minds new back to the principles of the Word of God, not the world's philosophy, not the world's teaching, not what they tell us. Listen, they don't have the answer. If they did, this world wouldn't be in the mess it's in. And if that wasn't enough, verse 11 says, and not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ by whom we have now received the atonement. We have been justified, reconciled, but he also offers us, this is amazing. He's justified us. He's reconciled us. He's given us eternal life. And he says, oh, guess what? I'll throw in joy. I'll throw in joy. Joy in, the, in, in, in God through Jesus Christ. The one who atoned us, paid for our sins, also lives, which should give us joy unspeakable. And realize he says that because joy is one of the fruits of of the Spirit. So once we have the Spirit of God, He says, oh yeah, I'll give you joy. Do you have joy? And joy don't come through a bottle. Joy don't come through a possession. Joy doesn't come through a pill. Joy comes through Amen? And it's joy unspeakable and full of glory. Father, I pray that you bless. Lord Jesus, thank you for your love and your goodness. And Father,